This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, if you got your Bible with you, go to the book of Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. And we've been talking about faith for months and months and months after over a year exactly. And we'll pick back up, but the starting point of faith is always believing in God's character. Do, do I believe God is who He says He is? That's the starting point. If I don't believe God is God, or I don't believe that He's the creator and I'm the creation, if I don't believe He's the potter and I'm the clay, then I'm not going to get very far. And so it's learning to say, okay, God, I believe you're who you say you are. Now again, I believe in Father God, I believe in the Lord Jesus, and I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. And so again, we've got to come to places where we understand this is who God says He is. But in order to keep going in faith, then we've got to come to our place in our lives where we believe in God's promises. In other words, we believe God will do what He says He'll do. And so when God says He'll save you and He tells you how, when we act on that, then that happens. When God says, I'll forgive you if you repent, uh, 1 John 1, 9, then when I actually obey that and do those things, we begin to see the, the promises of God go into effect. And so it's a life of faith. It's a life of living that way, trusting and, and believing again that God's promises happen even though they may not be materialized right in front of our eyes yet. So we start here in Hebrews chapter 11. And we begin in verse 8, and we're going to take another one tonight here in the Faith Hall of Fame. And so we read here, and it says, By faith, by an act of faith, is what the message says, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. Now it says here that he, he obeyed God, and he said that he would receive an inheritance. It didn't say he would earn it. It didn't say he, he would, would have to do this or that. It just said he had to come to a place where he would receive it. And the way he would receive it, he would obey what God said for him to do. And he said, so it goes on to say, And he went out not knowing where he was going. He left where he lived and he went out by obeying God and he did that without questioning God. He said, okay, Father God, I'm going to trust you. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that where you, you had that inclination or that scratching on the inside and, and you knew it was God. But you didn't know exactly how it was going to play out. You just knew it was God. Man, those are great days and I believe that's what happened in this guy named Abraham's life. That he had this in, inward inclination that this is what God wants me to do. You know, it was 18 years ago. And we had a, a, a call to start this church here in Lubbock. And again, when this church was birthed here, we didn't have a building. We didn't, we didn't have one microphone. We didn't even know to start where we were going to meet. We just knew in our heart we were supposed to go. And so on the inside, that was that inclination. 
And it was one of those areas, if you tried to figure that out with your head, your head would tilt. It just couldn't fathom it. But yet on the inside, you know something happens when you step out and you believe God, even though you don't fully understand how it's going to take place. How many have ever been there? That's a good thing. So I like to say it this way. Where God leads, He feeds, and where God guides, He provides. Even though we may not know how it's going to take place. But He's God. Verse number 9. By faith, I love this one translation, it said prompted by faith. He dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country. Dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob. Remember Isaac was his son and Jacob would be his grandson. The heirs, the joint participants with him of the same promise. And so when you begin to study the promises of God, God didn't limit it to just this person or this person. Man, when it's a promise of God, when we become children of God, we're born again, that's for every one of us. And so again, where you can find the promises of God, you're going to have to get over faith and say, Lord, I see that in the Word of God. And so when we look at what he begins to talk about here, Abraham demonstrated by faith, by obedience. He left everything he had just to obey God, and he lived there by faith. Verse 10, For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. So when I begin to look at this, in this guy named Abraham's life, faith here would be a pilgrimage. He was the pilgrim. He was the pioneer of faith. He was the very first one who actually stepped out and believed God like this. And so it was an act of devotion. It was a life journey. And if that first step isn't taken, nothing else would really matter. And so he stepped out here by faith. And when you look at this here, faith was a way of life. It wasn't a definition in his life. So I begin to look at this and I think, okay, we've got this guy who becomes the pilgrim of faith. And so I look and say, let me learn some things here, Father God, from him about how he ended up in the Faith Hall of Fame. Now again, we've used this analogy again. People that are in the, the, the football hall of fame, you don't get there by being mediocre, okay? You don't get there by wearing a Tom Brady jersey. You have to actually do something to get there. Well, it's the same in his life. And so people that get in the faith hall of fame, it's because they did something that was so astounding to the world that people looked and said, that's incredible. So when I look at these stories this is what I begin to think of. Now, as I was in here praying today, man, God's just so, he's so wonderful when you just take time to pray and get in his presence. But you know that everything that's in heaven is, is going to be a result of what people did here on earth. And so I look at this guy named Abraham, and I believe this, that if we were continue to read the rest of Hebrews 11, and we got into Hebrews 12, it says specifically, we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. You know what that is? That's people in heaven. 
That could be family members. But on the other side, that's this guy named Abraham. And I believe with all my heart that those guys like that are up there cheering us on. And when they see us live and walk by faith, the example they left us, they're like, go, go, you can do it. And I believe this, when people get to heaven, he's going to be there and he's going to say, way to go. I mean, we have this thought, we're going to go up to this guy named Abraham and say, dang, dude, you tore it up, which he did. But on the other side, he's going to look at us and say, I remember I watched you in action when you were on earth. Heaven's aware of what we do. And so with every one of our lives, if you're a school teacher, that is a platform for not just to teach school, but you become a minister of the Lord and Savior Jesus. As a banker, you're there to give God glory. So everything we do has to come back to, Father God, I give you glory and honor. Now, when I begin to look at what he does here, it impacted every one of us. His obedience impacted every one of us. And it specifically mentioned Isaac and Jacob. So as I begin to study this and I begin to pray about it today, what would have happened if God said to him, Abraham, I I need you to do this. I need you to be the father of faith because your kids and your grandkids and all the generations behind you, they're going to come under this same blessing. And what would have happened if he would have looked and said, I don't know that I want that pressure. I don't know that I want that responsibility. See, I think that in the terms of our Lord and Savior Jesus When Father God sent him to the earth to die and to be crucified, what would have happened if Jesus would say, I I, I don't know that I want a sacrifice like that. And so I get to a a, a person named Abraham who, you know, it shows scripturally he was willing and he said, you know what, I'll do it. I'll become a pioneer of faith for not only my children but all the future generations. So I say that to us in this room today. The way we learn to trust God, it doesn't just impact me. It impacts future generations. And you may be the first in your bloodline that's going to put a ripple effect on the water to say, we're going to do things different. We're going to serve God. You may not have anyone in your bloodline who's ever served God. And God may be saying, I need you. I need you. The only way some of them will ever see Jesus is through you. And you may say, I don't want to do that. Yeah, you do. We do. Now, here's the deal. God's so good to us. He doesn't just throw us out there and pat you on the back and say, figure out. You know what he does? He graces us. He empowers us. He said, you know what? I'm going to put my grace and my mercy within you to help you. I'm going to put the Holy Spirit with on the inside of you to help you. And so when I say this stuff, I mean, God's on the inside, but he's going to help us. And I can tell you this, all these years of of doing this, wondering where provision was going to come from, when we we didn't have a church building, on the outside, man, I'd be freaking out, but on the inside, it was like God would say, chill, I got you. I got you, just trust me. And I believe this is what was happening even with Abraham. Now, to understand this more, go with me to the book of Genesis, 
chapter number 12. Genesis 12. You know, I don't believe when pro athletes get to heaven that the angels are going to say, Hey, LeBron, I remember when you made that half-court shot. Do you know those things are going to be meaningless in heaven? The only thing that will be talked about in heaven is when you got the microphone or you had a platform, did you give the Lord Jesus glory and honor? Did you say, everything I'm doing in my life is because of Jesus? See, again, we don't just go to work to go to work. We go there to be the salt of the earth, the city on a hill. And whether you like it or not, when you receive Jesus as Lord of your life, you're called now into the ministry. You're called to be his hand. You're called to be the salt of the earth. Well, I don't know that I want that responsibility. Too late. You're in. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, now pay close attention there. Because when you see him in the hall of fame there back in Hebrews 11, his name's Abraham. Remember at this point in his life, his name is Abram. Keep reading. Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house. Now, this was a test of faith. To give up all the things that was dear to him. When I look at this, what the Lord asked him to do, he said, I want you to give up all the things in your life that are security. In other words, it's going to cost you. And when I look at the three things he said, they were degrees of difficulty. The very first one he said is get out of your country. Get out of there. That was what was familiar to him. That's all he had known. And then it gets harder. From your family. Now here's what we do again on this, in this Wednesday nights when we go into the Faith Hall of Fame. Let's put ourselves in the story. Would it be difficult for you to leave Lubbock? Some people say, I've never left. This, this is home. I... See, again. When we put ourselves in there, let me ask you something. Would it be difficult for you to leave your family? Yes. And then the last one was the hardest of all. He said, you got to leave your father's house. That was his security. And so again, God begins to, to show right here, it's going to cost you something. Separate yourself and, and give it up to follow me. And you know what he's telling us there? There may be seasons in your life where you're going to endure isolation. You're going to endure a time maybe where it's very lonely. But God's got plans. God had a plan. What was God's plan? Now watch the eyes, and this is God that comes into play. To the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. Now, all of a sudden, God throws out these promises, and God says, listen, this is what I want to do for you. And the only guarantee he had was these promises from God. But you know what? He must have believed and trusted God. Now, can you imagine what's going on the inside of him? 
But God's reassuring him, I'm going to be with you. I want to bless you. I want to multiply. I want to make your name great. I want to bless you to be a blessing. What a covenant promise. And so he hears all this that God stands out. Now, what would have happened if Abraham would have said or thought, you know, I, I really don't think God means this literally. No, when we see the scriptures and the word of God tells us to do something, he means it literally. And as I read that, I thought, well, what if Lot in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, if he wouldn't have taken when they told him, get out of your city or all your family's going to be destroyed, what would have happened if he wouldn't have taken that literally? So again, when we see the scriptures, what God says, you can take it exactly what it's, he means it literally. He wasn't saying, let this just be a, a thought or an imagination. So you see right here, this guy had to sacrifice. And again, I want to highlight, the only guarantee he had was God's word. That's it. Keep reading. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now again, he could have stopped right there and said, I don't want that pressure. I don't want this job. But look at the, the verse 4. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. Again, he had great choices to make. Just like me and you. Every sacrifice is based on preference. And so when we look at this right here, many times when we have choices to make, we only think about the immediate. We don't think about the future. Man, what he had to think about was both. What am I going to do right now? But then he had the thought, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed because of my choice. Or my not choosing this. So he, he obeyed, it said. So he had to forsake one thing in order to walk in the other. And so when I look at this, he got rid of all his security. Let me ask you right now. What's all your security based on? What would happen right now if the stock market just totally crashed? What would happen if electricity and everything just got cut off? See, I say this because I begin to think of these things today. What's, what's my security blanket? I mean, you know, as Americans, we got it pretty good. We got it real good. If you don't believe me, go with me to war is for a few days, and you'll say, we got it pretty good. So again, the question arises. Just like him, man, he had to give up everything that was his security. But he willingly did it. Now, go with me to the book of Nehemiah. And you may say, where is Nehemiah? Okay, you're going to go through the, the Samuels, the Kings, the Chronicles. Right after the Chronicles, you're going to hit a little, little bitty book called Ezra. And then right after Oez is Nehemiah. Go, go to the book of Nehemiah chapter 9. And 
just in my own personal reading in the mornings, I've been reading in the book of Nehemiah for, for a while. And so here I'm studying on this line on Abraham. And Abraham's name and what he does, it comes up here in the book of Nehemiah. Now, start with me here in Nehemiah chapter 9 and, and just start in verse 7 for time's sake. It says, you are the Lord God who chose Abram and you brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and you gave him or you changed his name to Abraham. Now watch this. This is, this is the part that really moved me. You found his heart faithful, steady, and true before you. And you made a covenant with him to give him the land, all these stinkingites, the, the mallites, the restaurantites, the cowboyites, to give to his descendants. You have performed or kept your words, for you are righteous. Now understand this, God chooses every one of us. And when God looks at us, he says, that's my boy, that's my girl. And just like in Abraham's life, when we choose to obey God, God is a covenant God. God will do precisely what his word tells us to do. And the thing that moved me right here again was when he said here, you found his heart faithful before you. True before you. God noticed this man named Abram's heart. Now again, part of the story here, and we'll get into it a little bit more here in a minute. The question arises, so why did God change his name? Well, God changed his name from Abram to Abraham because Abraham means father of many nations. So every time anyone would say, hey, Abraham, they were saying, hey, father of many nations. And so you know what God was doing? God was changing the way Abram thought about himself and he changed the way he thought about it or he, he saw himself. He said, if I can get this in his heart where he begins to believe and he begins to hear over and over, I'm the father of many nations. Hey, Abraham. Now, when God changed his name, you know how many kids he had? Zero. Everything in the natural said, God's crazy. When people would say, why would you change your name to the, the father of many nations? That doesn't make sense. Except to God. Except to God. So where is that biblically? That's in Romans 4, 17. It says God calls those things that don't exist as though they do. And so when God begins to speak those things over me and you, the quicker I learn to get into agreement with it in my mind and in my mouth, the more I begin to see it take place. And so when you begin to find scriptures that pertain to you, man, get a hold of it. I'm more than a conqueror. Who said that? God did. That's there in Romans 8. 
He said in Revelation 12, 11, he said, you're an overcomer by the blood. And so if I looked at some of you right now and started saying, you're an overcomer by the blood, many of you would say, wait, Pastor, you got the wrong man. I don't have the wrong man. The Word of God says that. And so i got to come to a place where I start seeing myself the way God sees me. And i got to start coming to the place where with the mind's eyes, I begin to see myself. I'm not Abram. I'm Abraham. I'm who God says I am. And that's exactly what God did with him. That God began to move in his life. Now go with me to the book of Romans. Let's go to Romans. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Now, in your own study, you, you really need to get into this chapter, okay? Get you several different translations where it'll begin to make sense to you. And again, when you get into the Word, you're feeding your faith and starving your doubts. Okay? Faith only comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Romans 10, 17. That's the only way. I encourage you, get in this chapter. So we start here in Romans 4, verse 1. What then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? Now, when uh, Paul talks here about Abraham, he emphasizes his faith. He goes on to say, For if Abraham was justified or established by works, he has something to boast about. He has the grounds to boast about. He could say, look how smart I am. Look what I've done. But look what it says here. But not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed, he trusted, he relied on God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now, better stated this, and this is the message that says, God, you make me right instead of me trying to be right on my own. And so guess what? God began to come on the inside of him, and God says, this is what I'll do. I'll bless you. I'll multiply you, I'll make your name great, and I'll bless you to be a blessing. And so when Abraham obeyed God and got out of his comfort zone and said, I'll go, God began to move in his life. Same chapter, verse 13. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. In other words, it was based on a relationship with God. See, that's the difference between the law and religion. When we have a relationship with God. When you have a relationship with somebody, you spend time with them. You talk to them. The more I get around God and the more I pray and the more I fellowship with Him, the more I worship the more I begin to understand God's character. I believe this is what started to happen with Abraham. goes on to say, For if those who are the law are heirs, faith is made void. Faith is empty. It's, it's not necessary. And the promise is made no effect. It's annulled. Because the law brings about wrath or punishment, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. So he's saying, 
This isn't going to happen just because you obey the law. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace. Now, when you look at this, faith occurs when we, try, when we cease trying to be something on our own efforts, but instead we trust God to do it. So he's saying, man, get a hold of the grace of God. Let God's grace begin to work on the inside of you. So he says, therefore, it is not a faith that may obey according to grace, so that the promise may be sure to all the seed, not to those who are the law, but also to those who are of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. And I love that part there. The promises to all the seed. So the very things that God promised Abraham, He's promised every one of us. If you're born again, you're part of the family of God. You're an heir in this. But the problem when we're heirs or we have an inheritance, if I don't know what my inheritance it is, it's very hard for me to partake of it. So again, we go back to the very promises that he said to him. He said, I'll bless you, I'll multiply you, I'll make your name great, and I'll bless you to be a blessing. So the exact promises that God said to Abraham, it's sure to all the seed. It's every one of us. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you were born on. It doesn't matter the color of your sin or your skin. It comes to this where you say, man, Father God, I welcome that. I welcome it. So what would begin to happen if I begin to get my tongue in line with what he said? Woo, Father God, I thank you today. You've blessed me. You've multiplied me. You've made my name great. You've blessed me to be a blessing. See, God wants to work in us. So he goes on to say in verse 17, As it is written, as the scriptures say, as the promises say, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed God, who gives life to the dead, and God calls, he speaks, He says those things which do not exist as though they did. Now, if God did that, what would happen if I begin to do that? Can I do that? I believe you can. So if God calls you an overcomer, you might as well call yourself an overcomer. If God sets people free, you might as well begin to say what he sets you free of too. He calls those things. And so... Even though those things may not uh, appear in, in the natural yet, it doesn't mean they won't. So when he said that about Abraham, remember, nothing had changed. But God calls those things that be not as though they are. And so I remember years ago, the things in my life that had stumped me. I mean, again, instead of me saying, you know what? I've been a drunk for years and years. I'm always going to be a drunk. What happens when I begin to call those things that don't exist as though they do? Now, how can I do that biblically? Well, in Colossians 1.13, he said, I've delivered you out of the power of darkness. And so if he's delivered me from the power of darkness, then why don't I just start saying that? So I have to say, Father God, I thank you. Alcohol has no dominion over me. I mean, I begin to use that in areas of my life. So if you look back at verse 17, he says, as it is written... 
Anytime where you can find where it's written, you can always tell the devil it's finished because the written word of God is your title deed. You look and say, this is what God said. So that's why it's so important that we get a hold of the word of God. We get a hold of what God says, the promises. And man, we tattoo those things to our heart. We begin to believe them. We begin to speak them. We begin to act. So the key here is start saying about yourself what God says. But pastor... This is, the, this is how it looks in the, I don't care how it looks in the natural. The Word of God supersedes the things in the natural. God's a big God. God wants to move in your life. And so, I double dog dare you. I double dog dare you to start speaking the Word. I double dog dare you in the name of, not in your own power, might to say, Father God, I welcome you. I welcome that into my life. And again, I don't care how things used to be. I begin to live my life based on what God's word, who God says I am. And so this is what was so powerful about this guy named Abraham. That somewhere on the way, he started believing I'm the father of many nations. I believe he started telling everybody, I'm Abraham, the father of many nations. I'm Abraham, I'm the father. But you don't have any kids. But this is what God said. So again, I come to a place where I said, man, I'm going to believe what the Word of God said. So here's the deal. Again, I begin to find out what the Scriptures say. And your area may look totally different from mine. But you know what I do know? We're all human beings. We all have issues at times. And so begin to speak the Word. Just speak, find Scriptures. Man, I'm running out of time. I began to write those on a three-by-five card. I stuck those all over my house. I had them on the dash of cars. I had them on mirrors. And man, I began to speak those things, and I'd get into it, and I'd say, Father God, this is what your word says. So all those are are affirmations. I begin to affirm the things of God. How do you get saved? You confess with your mouth, and you believe in your heart. The same things work with the kingdom of God. You begin to get it in your heart. Speak it out of your mouth. So we end with this thought. If God calls those things that be not as though they are, it shows me once again, God knows the power of words. For the word to come alive, it's called the rhema, the spoken word. So what would happen again, and this is your homework assignment, that when you leave here tonight, everything you say out of your mouth, you tag it with, and that's just the way I want it to be. Can I tell you how that looks? I've always been a drunk, and I'll always be a drunk, and that's just the way I want it to be. My marriage sucks, and that's the way I want it to be. Me and my wife, all we always do, we fight like cats and dogs. That's just the way I want it to be. You know what? We're always sick, and that's just the way I want it to be. We're always broken, that's just the way I want it to be. Or I can begin to say, I thank you, Father God, that I love my wife like Christ loved the church, and that's just the way I want it to be. I can begin to say, and I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me because that's just the way I want it to be. So now I'm throwing scripture in there. 
and I begin to identify with the Scripture, and I'm telling you right now, when you begin to speak those things over yourself, the more you speak it, the more you hear it, the more you hear it, the more you begin to believe it. And when you begin to believe it, you begin to act on it. And then you know what you say? Ooh, isn't God good? Look what the Lord has done. So again, I look at another guy named Abraham. Man, you're talking about a pilgrim, a pioneer. You may be a pioneer of faith in your own family right now. You may be a pioneer of faith at work. Man, welcome it. Welcome it. Don't run and say, man, God, you've got to get me out of here. I'm the only Christian there. I mean, you said that. I've said that before. God, you've got to get me out of here. They're crazy. And one day the Lord said this to me. Have you ever thought that you may be the only person they'll ever see God in? And have you ever thought... I've got you there strategically for that reason. And I thought, I didn't ever know that. Yeah. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.